Good morning. We're going to get going through the teaching scripture for today. There we go. And we have uh, scriptures from both Acts and Hebrews today, so I will read through those here. First teaching scripture today is from Acts 20, 27 through 28. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Hebrews thirteen seventeen, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for giving us the ability to hear your words today, to be preached to, and pray for open ears to hear, and that our hearts and souls are seeking and longing for your word today to speak into our bodies and our minds, God. We thank you so much for being in our lives and being over this church as you fill us today with, the, with preaching and words. We thank you for this day, Father God. Amen. Good morning. We're continuing our series on the church. And I have no desire to be provocative um, in our teaching, but for some reason it seems like the things that God has laid on my heart to share with you on this church series uh, could be taken that way at least. Just because... I believe that many of the things that God has to say about the church and our part in the church, according to the scriptures, run so counter to what is going on in our culture, and even in our Christian culture, that just by stating very clear things that the Bible teaches can come across as provocative. So I do pray that God would give us all uh, very receptive, um, humble hearts willing to hear what he might have to say to us today. Over the years, and I am over 60, so and I've be, actually been in church ministry pretty much ever since I uh, got out of college. So uh, when I say over the years, I mean over many years. Uh, I have watched many Christians who have elected uh, to withdraw from church and from any kind of regular association with other Christians. Not, not just for weeks, not just for a season, uh, but for months and years. And many of them would say they're still walking with the Lord. Uh, but one question I would like to ask them is, who is your pastor? Or who are your pastors? Who are your elders? Who is your overseer? Who is watching over your soul? In fact, a question I would really like to ask every Christian. Is there anyone to whom you have entrusted yourself in such a way 
that they are able to watch over your soul? Is there anyone in your life that you allow to have the role of shepherd or overseer? Now, I'm not saying that has to be here at Real Life Church. Um, I've sometimes, I think, actually frequently told people who have left Real Life Church, my concern is for your long-term spiritual well-being. So, I encourage you to plug into a church family and find a place where you can follow the church leadership and entrust yourself to their oversight. And if you can't do that here, go find a place where you can and where you will, because I think it's that important. Now, I get it, or I understand why people walk away from the church. Uh, I understand that people have been burned by abusive pastors. I understand that people have been condemned by legalistic preachers. Um, I understand that churches are so imperfect. I understand that church leaders are often so imperfect. I understand that some people go through a season where they're trying to find a church home. I understand that some are suffering health problems and just difficult to get to church gatherings. I get those things, and I'm not, not condemning uh, anyone for this. And again, as I said in a couple of weeks ago, these messages on the church, these are not to like uh, lay heaps of guilt upon anyone. They're for us to learn. But yet, as I look at the New Testament church, there were elders, there were overseers, there were pastors, there were leaders. And that tells me there is a reason for them. What is that reason? Well, fortunately for all of us, I found the answer to this question at answers at yahoo.com. <laughs> Fortunately, someone posed the question on that site, why do Christians feel they need a pastor when they have Jesus? That's a, that's a pretty relevant question. Well, here are some of the answers. Number one, I commune with Jesus through prayer and music. I don't need some preacher giving me his description of the Bible. Or this one was even more short and direct. I don't need one. Another one put it this way. I don't need a pastor to be close to God. You do need a relationship with God, but to tell you the truth, I really don't like most churches or pastors. One said this. I do not consider it necessary to have a leader. My life is given by God, and it is his word I shall follow, not a pastor or his interpretation. And finally, one said, honestly, this is a good question, and I am not sure why. I will ponder this today. <laughs> I love that. He has no idea why he would need a pastor, but he says, you know, I am going to think about it at least. Well, you know, there is some truth. There is some truth in all of those answers. But the consistent theme of I don't need one is pretty hard to miss. I mean, that, that comes through pretty loud and clear. And I think it really, in all honesty, I believe it represents uh, a growing attitude uh, in Christianity today in the larger Christian culture. 
I know that when we talk about any kind of authority in the church, people uh, get spooked. I mean, they think, what do they think of immediately when you talk about authority in the church? Cults, right? I mean, people think, oh my goodness, we don't want to be a, be a cult, so we, you know, we can't consider any kind of authority whatsoever in the church. And when we, so when we talk about authority in the church, people often think of excessive or abusive authority, pastors who boss you around or act like prima donnas. Uh, and I would not want to underestimate those kind of dangers. Those are real dangers and real problems and can be in some churches. But I think a more co- common problem, at least I think particularly here in USA, is the notion that I am independent, I am free, I've been around the block, and no punk pastor is going to tell me what to do. And over the years, I, I've basically seen two, two basic responses uh, to elders, shepherds, pastors. Uh, generally, I mean, and, and, and honestly, as, as a shepherd or a pastor, you feel this. I mean, you, you, you can read this, believe me. Uh, two basic responses. One is receptive, eager, willing. There's just you know, just the receptiveness. Uh, kind of you, you kind of get the feeling, or some people even say, you know, if they think there's something I could be helped with, you know, please talk to me about it. Please show me that sort of receptive, willing attitude. The other attitude is just resistant. They might come to church every Sunday, but there's just a sense that the you know the arms are crossed. Uh, the heart is closed, and it's sort of like, don't you dare offer me any counsel. There's just that feeling of pushback. Well, over the years, I've, I've given several messages on the role and duties of elders. Uh, usually talks about the qualifications of elders and what elders are, are supposed to do and so forth. And that's, that's an important thing to talk about. But this morning, I want to approach the topic of elders from a completely different perspective or at least a little different perspective. I want to start from this question. Why do you need an elder in your life? Or why do you need elders in your life, or pastor shepherds in your life? I fully understand that what I'm going to talk about this morning could be misunderstood or distorted. Uh, It could be seen as self-serving. But I'm willing to take those risks and dive into it just because I think it is that important. But before we can really answer the question why you need an elder in your life or why you need elders, pastors in your life, we have to understand what an elder is. And we're going to do that by going to the book of Acts briefly. Soon after the churches began, after believers were gathered in some of the localities or cities that the apostles and Paul went to, uh, the apostles went back to those same places and they established groups of elders to oversee the churches. We read this in Acts 14, 21 through 23 in our opening message on the church. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Paul made it clear in his letter to Titus that something was lacking in these places or churches until elders were appointed. He said to Titus, I left you in Crete in order 
that you might straighten out what was unfinished and appoint elders in every town. These men who were appointed to uh, oversee these groups of elders who were appointed to oversee the churches, they were called elders, overseers, or shepherds. All of these descriptive titles were used interchangeably. First uh, Peter chapter 5, Peter said, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. So again, we see that, that Peter considered elders, overseers, shepherds as different descriptions of the same person. Hebrews 13.7, the leaders were simply called leaders who keep watch over your souls. Today we use the word pastor almost exclusively for those who lead the church. But do you know how many times the word pastor is used in the New Testament? Is anybody? Once. One time. It is used in Ephesians 4.11. It says, Christ gave some to be pastors and teachers. The interesting thing is that the word translated pastor is used 17 times in the New Testament. And everywhere else it is translated something else. What do you think it is translated everywhere else? Shepherd. Shepherds. So the ESV... Uh, if you have an ESV, which a lot of you do in, in, at Real Life Church, the ESV gets it right, and it translates Ephesians 4.11, Christ gave shepherds and teachers. That's fine to use the word pastored, uh, but just understand that it means shepherd. It, is, it does not mean president of the church. Uh, it, is, it does not mean spiritual big wheel. Uh, it does not mean boss. Uh, it describes what elders do. You know, as Peter said, to the elders, be shepherds. Or to the elders, be pastors of God's flock. And as we saw a few weeks ago, these men were appointed from among those already found in the church. They were not professionals brought in from Jerusalem. Most of them still held jobs. They had families. They were not some super class of Christian, but they were to be men of integrity and character, and they were to be able to teach the word of God to others. And there was always more than one elder appointed for every church. These men were not appointed to positions of great power, but of service. Peter exhorted the elders to be examples to the flock, not lording it over those entrusted to you. They were not primarily business managers or event planners or program directors. They were to feed and teach and care for believers, to guard the doctrine and the behavior of the church. So we see from Acts and the rest of the New Testament that the church, when we talk about the New Testament church, the New Testament church was a gathering of believers who were devoted to one another. A couple of weeks ago we talked about how they're members of one another, united to Christ and united to one another. They were devoted to one another and who were under a team of spiritual leaders who were to shepherd 
overseer, lead, and care for the local church. To me, before we get to our list of reasons why you need an elder in your life, to me this is one of the most powerful reasons for a Christian to choose a lifestyle with pastors, elders present in a meaningful way in their life is because this is the way God set things up. In a sense, we could stop there, really, couldn't we? Do we need any, any further reason? And as I said, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how we are members of Christ's body and members of one another. But another powerful New Testament model that we have of the church or word picture of the church is that of a flock of sheep with shepherds. Acts 20, 28. Paul said to the elders at Ephesus, he said, Keep watch over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you shepherds. Be shepherds of the church of God. And Peter, in 1 Peter 5, 2, said to the elders, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. So, when we think of church, we certainly want to think of a body where we are where we are spiritually, organically connected to one another, members of one another, but we also want to think of ourselves as a flock who is under the oversight of a group of shepherds. But today, many Christians, and again, I'm, not talk, I'm really not talking just you know, to, you, to you guys in here. I'm talking about what I see happening uh, across Christianity. Today, many Christians have adopted the mentality of a consumer or a shopper, not that of a flock of sheep under the care of shepherds. Church is viewed like going out to eat or going to Kohl's or to Yonkers or to the mall. Uh, you go, you look, you see, you help yourself, you buy if you want, uh, but you view yourself as completely on your own, free to do what you want, free to buy what you want, free to walk out whenever you want. It makes little difference to you really who the other people are, or even if you will ever see them again. You feel accountable to no one, and as a consumer or a shopper, it would never even enter your mind that anyone there had any authority over you at all. And that is exactly how more and more people think about church. So today, uh, I want to challenge you to begin to view ourselves, for us to view ourselves, as a flock under the care of pastors or shepherds. Certainly under the care of Jesus, the chief shepherd. Okay? Nobody, hopefully nobody misunderstands that. We are ultimately and finally and most importantly, under the care of our chief shepherd, but also under the care of those God has raised up as overseers, shepherds of the flock. All right, with that lengthy introduction, <laughs> we're now going to look at six reasons why you need New Testament type pastors, elders in your life. And I, I make it plural because I, do, I really do believe in the plurality of elders. There's not one mention in the church of, of any place in the New Testament where you see it 
addressing one elder or one leader of one church. It's always to the elders of the church at Ephesus or to the elders at, and the deacons and the saints at Philippi or wherever they're mentioned, it's always more than one. Five reasons why you need New Testament pastors, elders in your life. Number one, you need spiritual leaders in your life who teach you the Word of God. And I don't care how long you've been a Christian or how long I've been a Christian, I enjoy and I need to be under the teaching of the Word of God. I love having those Sundays where I'm not up here and I can sit back and just soak in the Word, hear it from another elder. I love hearing different people share, certainly in life group. But no matter, my point is, no matter where we get to in life, we need to be under the teaching of the Word of God. And elders are are appointed by God to, to fill that role. The qualifications for elders in 1 Timothy 3 all have to do with godly character, except this one thing is added. Paul said the overseer must be able to teach. One of the main ways that elders shepherd people is by teaching people. Uh, one of the ways that we are shepherded as God's flock, that we are kept in the safety of God's truth, is by the teaching of the Word of God. Jesus said to Peter, shepherd my sheep or feed my sheep. Shepherds are to feed the flock. That's a, that's a solemn charge that they are given by God. But everyone, all of the saints or all of the flock, have to choose to be fed. You have to put yourself in a situation to be taught regularly. Acts 2 says that believers in the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know, it, it doesn't say that the apostles tracked them down and force-fed them. No, it says, no, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They gathered faithfully, daily, weekly, to, to be taught the word of God. And I'm certainly not saying elders are apostles, but you, the, the application is there. They, the New Testament church devoted themselves to teaching. And that is our example. I firmly believe that the Word of God proclaimed and taught is the primary instrument the Holy Spirit uses to transform us, to encourage us, to mature us, to make us like Christ, to make us to grow up, to be like Jesus. So it's so important for us as a flock to just devote ourselves to teaching. On a practical note, elders are humans. Some Sundays, the message is not that great. And believe me, I know that. I mean, I have some of my darkest moments of depression in life have been Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know, you're just, you're just aware that sometimes just, it just, just didn't seem to be that good or pe- people just didn't seem to be that blessed or encouraged by it. Um, and I think, I, I, at least I suspect that what happens is that some people go home and you think, you know, I really didn't get that much out of the teaching today. And maybe that happens a week or maybe two weeks in a row. And so you think, I'm not going back there next Sunday. Uh, I'm not coming the next week. But, you know, we need to uh, understand the weakness of, of human leaders and I think make a decision to faithfully devote ourselves to be taught the Word of God. 
Uh, That next Sunday might be the Sunday that the Holy Spirit speaks in power to you through the teaching, something that you really, really, really needed. And uh, so just you faithfully expose yourself to the Word of God. Blessed, blessed are the saints who understand their need to hear the Word of God taught and proclaimed and who love that and who look forward to that eagerly. And so one of the reasons that we need pastor, elders in our life, we all need to be connected to pastors who consistently teach us the Bible. Number two, you need pastor, elders in your life who set an example of how to live. 1 Peter 5.3 says, being an example of one of the, is one of the main functions of an elder. And if you think about it, it has to be that way. I mean, pastors can't force you to do the right thing. And scripturally, from the instructions from Peter, they can't lord it over you. In a very real sense, other than teaching, all they can do is put forth an example for you. And then you have to choose what you're going to do with that. Um, Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word, spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. It really puts the, the, the burden upon the flock to, to imitate uh, the faith of their leaders. Now, when I talk about following an elder's example, I'm not talking about having to dress the same or mimic the elder's way of speaking. I mean, God forbid that anybody would try to mimic my, way, my uh, stuttering, stammering speech, but, or, or that you have to drive the same kind of car or wear your hair the same or whatever, you know? Uh, and the reason I mention this, I think sometimes this happens. Uh, when, my, when my brother and I were, were both elders at Des Moines Fellowship Church, um, early on in that ministry, we both were twins, and I don't know why, but we, we, just, we both bought brand new Honda Civics. And we both bro- drove Honda Civics for many years. My, mine was brown, my brother's was teal blue. And you, you, back then, I mean, you bought a, I bought, we bought those Honda Civics for under $4,000. I mean, they're like 3600 bucks or something for a brand new car. You got 38, 40 miles a gallon. And so we, that, 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 was, that was really cool. Helped out with the gas bill for sure. But someone uh, wrote a letter addressed to us in the church uh, saying how they felt that they could not be considered a good Christian in our church unless they drove a small, fuel-efficient car like a Honda Civic. And, I mean, it was just like, whoa. I mean, it was just like, it was like frustrating because we were not expecting anyone to follow our example in an area of freedom like that. I mean, no good pastor wants that kind of uniformity or feeling like there has to be some kind of copycat uh, following of their example. So when, when we talk about following a leader's example, we're talking about following a leader's faith and conduct and character. And that's exactly what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 10 and 11. He, he said to Timothy, but you followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, 
my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance, and my sufferings. Not that you buy the same brand of sandals that I wear. You followed my faith and my conduct. So keep yourself around pastors, elders. It's just an application of this. An application of this is to keep yourself around elders or pastors who have sound teaching that you can follow, who conduct themselves in a way that you can follow that example, who exhibit patience and self-control under pressure in, in, an, in an exemplary way that you can follow, who love people, who keep pressing on, who, who persevere, who handle suffering in trials in a way, in a godly way. That's the kind of thing that you are to look for and, and to follow their example. Find pastor, elder, pastors and elders like this and commit yourself to following their example. That does not mean that pastors or elders are perfect or that you should expect perfection from them. But they are to be examples or they should not be in that position. Number three, you need shepherds in your life who are concerned about you falling into sin. You need elders or overseers who would come after you if you fell into sin. I don't mean come after you to condemn you, but come after you to get you and to help you. 2 Corinthians 28-29, which I see I left the chapter off of that. Somebody maybe knows that. But anyway, in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, I face daily the pressure of concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? Elders and pastors should be those kind of men who have concern, have intense concern when people in the flock are led into sin. James says we are to seek to turn back a brother who sins from the error of his way. Of course, we're all to do that, but especially uh, pastors and elders should have that kind of heart. Be careful about getting into church situations where you can hide from leaders or where leaders would never know if you were in any spiritual trouble or not. You need You need, I need, we all need people in our life who we know would come and talk to us if we fell into sin or persisted in sin. Galatians 6.1 says, If someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So you need pastors and elders in your life because you need spiritual leaders in your life who would do that for you. Number four. You need shepherds in your life who are concerned about you falling into doctrinal error. This was Paul's main exhortation to the elders at Ephesus in Acts 20, 28. He said, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from among your own number, men will arise and distort the truth. So be on your guard. So elders have a responsibility to be on their guard for different belief 
different beliefs and different teachings that rise up within the body. And I think one of the marks of someone who is called to be or raised up to be uh, an elder in the church is that they have that sort of heart. They have that sort of concern. Uh, just that they, they really they have a passion that people would remain in the truth. I don't think shepherd, and this this is perhaps just uh, a matter of uh, uh, somewhat of opinion, but I I, I think it I think it's I think it's right. I don't think shepherds and elders have to bring everyone into complete conformity on every possible minor doctrinal difference or difference of conviction. I don't think that's what this means. And some churches do that. I mean, you don't deviate one bit from what the pastor says. Or you don't deviate one bit from the church doctrinal statement or you're out on your ear. Um, I don't... I don't really think that's, that's right. In fact, one of the things that um, I think has been a, a real blessing about the church that, that we were planted from, uh, Des Moines Fellowship and Real Life Church, is that we actually have people <laughs> together in one body who have some slightly different convictions on things, and we respect and love uh, one another in that. So I think if someone has a little different view on some aspect of prophecy or something on the gifts or whatever, we can still function together in one body. But elders are to guard the flock from error. In the foundational, essential teachings of the Bible, elders are given this charge to guard the flock. Paul gave Titus this qualification for elders. He must be able to refute those who oppose sound doctrine. That's just part of an elder's duty. And if someone is in a church and the pastor never mentions any kind of error or false teaching or never really exhorts toward a certain body of truth, something might be wrong. So you need an elder, pastor, overseer in your life because you need someone in your life who's concerned about the soundness of what you believe and that you don't veer off into error. Number five, you need pastors, elders in your life who are watching over your soul. Our, one of our scripture verses was Hebrews 13.10. Obey your leaders and sub... Actually, did I get that right? Actually, that's 13.17. My apologies. Hebrews 13.17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would not be profitable or for this would be unprofitable for you. So, spiritual leaders have a responsibility to watch over you and will give an account to God for how they do that. Um, That's one of the most sobering verses in the entire uh, Bible to me as as an elder, to think that I I will give an account and it many times has caused me to fall on my knees earnestly pleading with God to help me be a better shepherd. So it's a sobering verse for elders, but you know what? It's also a sobering verse for the flock, right? It says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. 
the flock is to be receptive. They're to be responsive. They're to submit in such a way that that makes it a joy, a joyful thing for uh, elders to act as shepherds over them. My uncle Merwin was an elder in the church. Uh, He was down at uh, Des Moines Fellowship for for a while. And he, he had this kind of concern for people, who watch, watch, someone who watches over your soul. And I'll never forget at uh, his, his funeral, I think it was you know, the day before the funeral, maybe the morning of the funeral, my brother and I shared uh, the responsibilities of doing that funeral. He shared some things and I shared some things. And um, I asked my cousin, Can- Candace, one of Merwin's nieces, I asked her what she remembered about Merwin or what, what she'd like to have shared about Merwin at the funeral. And here's what she said. I always felt that he was someone who was concerned about my soul. And I thought that was probably the best, <clears throat> the best thing that you could ever have said about you, particularly uh, as a pastor or shepherd. And throughout her life, Candace or Candy, as I called her, she really... Uh, responded to that, to Merwin, and she, I mean, she learned a lot from him because of that. Ultimately, of course, the Lord is your shepherd. But God ordained in his church people who are shepherds, men who are shepherds, and you have to choose to be shepherded. You have to choose to let someone watch over you. And Hebrews 13.10 goes so far as to say, obey your leaders. You have to allow someone to have the role of shepherd or overseer in your life. Again, I, I don't think this needs to be like some real intrusive relationship. It's just someone who has oversight and who cares about you. I don't think elders should be telling you what to have for lunch or where to live. But they are to give you spiritual instructions and counsel. So before you make a major moral decision, like filing for divorce, or before you adopt some brand new teaching, you know, here's some, you know, some brand new doctrine that you're just all excited about, before you adopt that, before you make some major life decisions that will affect the spiritual life of you and your family, I think it's good to lay that decision before those people that the Bible calls shepherds or overseers, those who care about your soul. And so you need that kind of relationship with pastors and elders in your life. Sixth and final, could have skipped this one, but I really thought this was, this was important too. You need elders in your life because you need people in your life, spiritual leaders in your life who will pray for you. James 5 says, Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church to pray over him and to anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. You should place yourself under the care of, of those who you, to whom you can call when you need prayer. In Acts 6, the apostles uh, asked for men to serve tables, and they said, we will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Of all that the apostles did, it came down to those two things, ministry of the word and prayer. And I don't want to embarrass Josh, but we're really blessed to have 
Josh full-time for many reasons, but one of, one of the most important is just because he prays, he loves to pray, he does pray for us, for you. And, we, you know, we need, we need to connect with people who will pray for us, who do pray for us, and to whom we can turn when you need prayer. So why do you need a New Testament-type elder pastor in your life? Because we all need to be around spiritual leaders who will shepherd us, teach us, set an example for us, pray for us, who will care about our personal holiness and faithfulness, and also because that is the way God set things up for the church. You know, it really ultimately is an issue of submission to God and to doing things His way. The, that opening question is at, at answers at yahoo.com, why do Christians need a pastor when they have Jesus? You know, I think it could be answered this way. Because Jesus, as our chief shepherd, knows we need human shepherds too. And he set up his church for his flock to be shepherded in that way. It is part of the way Jesus is watching out for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just the things that your word teaches us. And boy, what, what an application of, of last week's message on the scripture, how the word of God is profitable for correction, for reproof, for training in righteousness. Uh, that's just what this is, this, this is doing for us this morning. Lord, we, we just come humbly, I come humbly and say, I want to be corrected. I want to be reproved. I want to be, be trained in what we are to be as a church and how we are to function as a flock under the care of shepherds. And Lord, just in an increasing way, we could do this more and more in a way that pleases you, more and more in a way that is according to the scriptures, and more and more in a way that, that brings you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so